Hope you're all doing well. Are you connected to community? Think about this. Coming up in the next hour of the Bob Jeswald Show, my guest will tell us about how we all can do our part to strengthen our neighborhoods. Improving access to basic needs, income, health, and education is the key to success for the Chattahoochee Valley. You don't want to miss it. Personal power. People positive. The community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Welcome, everybody. I hope you're having a great day, depending upon when you're hearing this live, or maybe you were just listening to it as an afterthought. But let me tell you something. This is a great, great topic that we have here today. And joining me live right now in the podcast studio, News 3, is Ben Moser. Ben Moser, the president and CEO of the Chattahoochee Valley United Way of the Chattahoochee Valley. Ben, it's great to see you. You're from North Carolina. What do you think about the Deep South? Hey, Bob. (laughs) It's It's great to be here. It is a little bit deeper down here in South Georgia. Uh, but it's awesome to be here in the Chattahoochee Valley. You know, I, we were talking about strengthening communities and how you can improve all that. And, and just a little bit about me. And I know you've been here now for just under two years, but you're you're coming up on your two-year mark shortly. And it's a lot to, to take take on. I mean, you, you had COVID. You have all this going on. How do you raise money? I mean, that's just the elephant in a room in an environment like this. How do you do it? Well, it's the community here, Bob, really. I mean, this is an amazingly generous community, and I learned that very quickly upon coming here. And this community stepped up through COVID in a huge way. I mean, we have amazing corporate partners, foundation partners, individual partners, 15,000 annual donors, Bob, giving to United Way, all to help the community to give back to those areas that you talked about at the beginning. Well, and you're not kidding about that, how generous uh, we are here in this community, but it takes the effort of many people, as you know, and your leadership has been fantastic and in a short time, and you got quite a resume too, to uh, follow. So tell us a little bit about your journey to get into a position like this. I mean, you know, it's even your demeanor when you come in the room, you're the type of guy I see you <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll give you some money out of my check, but you know, that, but there's, there's a finesse to that and, and it really, it takes experience and you have just that cause you, you come here with a uh, previous United way experience Tell me a little more about that. Yeah, I do, Bob. I actually started out as an attorney. So I, uh, I worked for a congressman in Washington, D.C. for three years out of college, went to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and then went to law school up in New York City and practiced law up there for seven years. Uh, was working 100-hour weeks, decided to make a little bit of a career switch, came back to my hometown of Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and caught on with the United Way there. And the rest is history. I worked there for four years, had an amazing experience, and then was fortunate enough to go to Asheville, North Carolina, and become the director of major gifts there. And I really learned a lot about fundraising as well as community development in my time in Asheville. And so after a few years there, I went looking for my you know CEO role, and I uh, had some interviews and was fortunate to land here here in the Chattahoochee Valley. And wow, it's just been great. We are glad to have you here. Trust me. It's, 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 it's just a very, very unique town. And like you said, too, there's, there's a dichotomy here in income levels, as we know, but we have uh, on, on one level, such generous people. And then even on both sides, people will give their last dime that they have. And in many cases, you could see that kind of um, sense of people when you're out, even on the Riverwalk, which I love. It's one of my favorite places to get out and enjoy. I believe when I was younger, and I don't know about you, but I often wonder about somebody like you because 
is a united way. There's and many people listening. And in fact, you may be listening in Chattahoochee Valley, which is in the Columbus, Georgia area, just so people get perspective, 90 miles southeast of, of Atlanta, metro area. And growing up in Buffalo, New York as a kid, I always had this feeling of giving back. I always felt like I want to help people out. And it was the MDA telethon that one time, I still remember this day clear. I was five years old in Buffalo and I called because I saw the number on the screen. And part of it was I wanted to talk to one of the people, but I made a donation, $10. You know, it was on the honor system. You say $10, they'd send something in the mail, you fill it out and you go that in that direction. My mom heard and she, because <laughs> $10 back then, you know, 1970 would be like, hey, you know, that's, what's that, 50 today? Maybe $100? I don't know. Inflation. But you're, you're, I always felt the need to give back and it is such a great feeling. I still do it because a platform in the media of TV allows me to do just that, you know, and I know a lot of times I, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because I engage in that a lot more, especially the United Way and, and, and sometimes partnering and helping with you guys but you have so many great programs, nonprofit. How do you bring them on board? And how do we get people just listening to this or somebody that we can actually engage to be part of that success, especially here in the Chattahoochee Valley and, and, and other United Way locations? Yeah, so we have 27 partner agencies currently that we fund, um, and they, they range from, you know, Boys and Girls Club, Girls Inc., Easter Seals, Red Cross, you know, and the list really goes on. And so uh, working through those agencies on an annual basis, we encounter so many folks and are able to get our story out through those agencies in many ways. And then we have our own staff that's just amazing out in the community, uh, getting it done on a daily basis. And so, um, it, you know, there are many ways to get the United Way story out in front of people, to engage new donors, to work through our nonprofit partners to better the community. Community. Um, and it's there are a lot of moving parts to it, but um, you know, really, really fantastic uh, getting to know folks here. We have great leadership here in the Chattahoochee Valley, and so um, just amazing leadership. And some of those moving parts, which I always found amazing, is that, and again, I keep going back to last year, 2020, even currently, right now, where you would send a representative in, one of your staff members, which, by the way, so people understand, you don't have a lot of staff members, right? How many do you have? We're up to about 25 now, but we've really expanded it in the okay. last year. Uh, some of that due to COVID. We have our homeless services agency, Home for Good, and they have brought on four new staff members recently. Uh, and that's all with money that is coming from the federal government to help the homeless through COVID, to try and prevent homelessness in the community. And so we've expanded a little bit recently. That's amazing. And and you think about, see, I think 25, That I mean, that's amazing what you can accomplish, what you guys do with just that many. But then you have volunteers too to go along with that. That's part of the moving parts to get oh, yeah. get this success driving in the community. Oh yeah, lots of volunteers. Starts with our board of directors who are amazing, but we have hundreds and maybe thousands of volunteers across the community and, and, and you know, throughout the annual campaign, through the community investment process. And these comp the big companies here have champions within the companies that help us to run the campaign. So TSIS is like a month long deal where they're doing something for United Way every day. And so we've got probably a hundred folks, at least within TSIS that are champions for us. And then all of the donors that come along with that. So over a million dollars a year from TSIS alone, you know, Synovus, Publix, the WC Bradley company, Aflac, the list goes on, Pratt Whitney, just amazing support, lots of volunteer support there. Is it, you know, in part of the moving parts too of, of 
your staff members coming in, talking to those employees at TSIS, for example. I volunteered many years and did stuff out at TSIS. They put it out in a green lawn there, and we would have like a fun field day out there. I, I loved and enjoyed that, but of course, we're missing that now because of what's been going on. And them coming in personally and sharing a story um, to the place of business. Are, are they doing that in any respect, or how are we doing that now? So COVID has changed that a bit, and we've been in a virtual environment now for the last year. Uh, we're really hoping that the vaccine kicks in, we get back to doing some in-person events. I think we'll be in a hybrid situation this year, but my first year here it was you know, a non-COVID environment, and it was amazing to see all that the Tesis's and Synovuses of the world do to engage their employees and tell the United Way story. And a lot of times we'll have an employee at one of those companies who's used our services in one way or another and can talk about that with their colleagues. And that's a really powerful angle to come from and a really powerful story. That That is it. Tell, give me an example of one of those because I'm, you know, and, and I don't know how, you know, fair of a question this is. And, and of course, you tell me either way, but, you know, have we really, have we lost money? Are we gained? Are you where you're supposed to be? We're, and that's a tough, I mean, Bob, we need more money or Bob, we're doing pretty darn good even, you know. Yeah. So there are a lot of stories out there within these companies about folks who have used the services. Uh, we've actually increased our fundraising over the last two years. So we had a historic campaign year last year. And then this year we topped that and had another historic year on top of that. Folks really stepped up through COVID. We asked some of our major donors to give a little bit more to help us through. We knew that this would be a tough year with a lot of need, and our donors stepped up to the plate. The generous community continues. Yeah. And I'm sure, and you've been around, I mean, you're North Carolina and other cities you've worked in. Do you, is it common, or is it is Chattahoochee Valley, would you say, is like, diametrically opposed to other areas, or maybe not that dramatic. This is a special place. There's no doubt. I, I think that it's the, the best United Way of its relative size in the country. I'm biased, obviously. Yes. <laughs> but the generosity of the community, I believe, is like no other. I've been with two other United Ways, um, one larger, one smaller. And um, the level of support here is really unmatched. And, you know, you can, you can make a phone call to a few people around town if there's something that you need. Uh, as a United Way. And you're like, if you can make a strong case, you're likely to get the support you need. You really can. I mean, I, I've had the luxury and pri pri privilege over the years, even doing some work with one of your United Way members of the Red Cross when uh, back when Sharon Lyons was there and Mitzi Oxford and others, and we'd do a spaghetti cook-off, let's say. And, and you know, like Ranger Joe's would just come in and just help out. I mean, like it was nothing. So the, it, it, the, even like you said, Affleck, Tesis and, and other big contributors here and uh, Bradley company and, and Turner family, I mean, go on and on and on. It's just, just uh, remarkable. And you're right. It is, it is unique. I've been to different places and I never seen anything uh, like this. So you said before you came in here, just to loosen up a little bit, do you need a sip of water too? You could do that with me. You can chill. We can relax. I'll let you do that while I talk for a second. Um, your predecessor, I was thinking of Scott Ferguson for a minute years ago. He, um, he asked me to do one of your fundraiser kickoffs. <laughs> I'm like, really? really and then I saw that check on there, that amount of money. I'm like, oh my gosh, how are they going to do this? And it was a luncheon, and it was it was at the trade where it was at the trade center, and um, they had like three things opening. So it was like looking, it was like a 180, you know, from this left center and everybody else, and everybody and everyone was there, and it was packed like sardines. I think of that day when I did that, and, I, and it was it was great to be up there, and I got to pump people up. It felt great about it and introduce people. And they did some really fun stuff. I was thinking uh, even some things Tesis 
did, you know, that was kind of off the wall, but it was cute. They all got in costumes and ran up in the middle of this thing. But is there, it, it, I'm trying to make this correlation. I did a lot with MDA, and I'm backpedaling here a little bit. I was in L.A., and I did stuff when I was in Las Vegas uh, with Jerry Lewis. Met Jerry Lewis personally, interviewed Jerry Lewis. I've been right there. And when that all came about, there was some tension. There was some turmoil in Tucson, our main office, and, and um, Jerry was gone. And, of course, and, and some of the other people that were involved. And they went into this fundraising text, da-da-da-da, doing it on, you know, on just a text one, two, three, four. And, and you don't hear anything about it anymore. And they were saying, you know, I heard stuff. There was so much overhead. There were people that were going to the yearly functions that would be the kickoff and et cetera, et cetera. Is it true? Do you think is it true that that really is the, the, the new way of fundraising? Is it true that are they getting the money they want? I mean, of course, fill the boot with our firefighters who do tremendous work. They're awesome. I used to go out there with the boot with my kids when they're little over in, in the Catala Fire Department area in Harris County and collect money. And we'd get a hundred two, maybe at the end of the day, get a thousand dollars. You know, it may seem a drop in a bucket. It's that effort. It's promoting it. It's, it's giving them what they need, but is that the way to go? You know, you have to come at it from all different angles. Special events are a big part of what we do, and they create a lot of engagement along with the money that's raised. So when TSIS has a bake sale, you know, they may make $1,000, $2,000 as part of a $1.2 million TSIS campaign over the year. But the engagement that you gain through an event like that makes it so worth it, and folks love it. You know, and that's that's the thing. I mean, we want to have fun as well as raise money and do good for the community. You know, we want to bring people in and engage folks and really help these companies with their retention of employees. Your employees want to feel engaged in the community. That's something that bubbles to the top in every survey that's taken in corporate America. You know, we want to feel engaged. And so help us do that. And United Way can do that. We're a vehicle for that as well as all the other things we do. 27 we have now you said how many agencies 27 agencies 47 programs and we raise over seven million dollars a year that's incredible that that is just remarkable and it's i know it's not it seems so easy is it fair to compare that to like like the muscular dystrophy association and i say that because i was so familiar with that versus like united way i know they're kind of apples and oranges in a sense because you're dealing with many different agencies that was just one stop shop is there some correlation there? And they, I mean, they have a specific audience for that, and then they take it wide with television commercials and things like that. Um, but, you know, I would guess they're raising money primarily from folks that have lived experience with someone from muscular dystrophy. But what we do is very different because it's really across the board, right? We're right. raising money for almost every large nonprofit in town, and we're a big part of their operating budget during the year. And so we really have to be a jack of all trades. And we also have our own programming. And we've started something called Community Schools United, where we are placing United Way employees into public elementary schools. I like that. Yeah, to coordinate services, to work with our partner agencies, and to really make a bigger difference in the community. We've launched a couple other strategies as well. And so United Way is a very diverse set of opportunities uh, throughout the year. I wanted to kind of make that distinction and I'm sorry I kept saying MDA in that cuz I I you know when people think fundraising it is different. I mean, it's not it's it's not the same it's not the same template for each place cuz you have to find that proper engagement, different audience or audiences or whatever you have to do and and that, that's remarkable. 7 million here. That's 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 a, that's pretty wild. Tell me about the school program though. I think that's great. How do you get 
children. And it's all about, we, you know, I love motivation and go back to my story in the beginning when I was a kid, always having it, you know, you can have it in your heart. Some people don't, you got to be taught that. Um, or you're listening right now and you say, you know what, I got to take it off of thyself. Let me help out the way I can, but you're getting in the classroom. Tell me about that. Cause I didn't even hear about this. This is great. Yeah, this is brand new. I brought it here from Asheville. They had been doing it for six or seven years, you know, when I got there and then into the time that I got there. And it's really about wrapping services around the whole child and the whole family and taking into account the circumstances that folks living in poverty have and trying to help those kids with anything that they need in the school environment. And so placing that coordinator, that United Way employee into the school is a coordinating piece for all of the other services that folks may not know about. The principals and the teachers are doing everything that they possibly can. We've got amazing staff in our schools, but their plates are overflowing and they need help. And that's why we're stepping in with that help putting those United Way employees into schools. Um, there's lots of things going on with Community Schools United. It'll be an organizing piece for a lot of our work over the next five to 10 years. And we're making a generational commitment here. You, we're not gonna change the trajectory for students and families living in poverty with a two or three year commitment or program. It's gotta be generational in order to make change on circumstances for folks living in intergenerational poverty, which we have way too much of here in the Chattahoochee Valley. A lot of people in the Chattahoochee Valley doing really well, a lot of people not doing so well. And so we need to help out. There is, there, there is a lot of disparity. That's for sure. I, I, I guess a lot. it's, yeah. And it's uh, almost, you know, from one side of town to the next could be a complete antithesis from, you know, you hear South Columbus a lot. Within the same zip code. <laughs> Ex Bob. Yeah. I that's mean, we, crazy. It, it is a mile apart in some cases and there are dividing lines and this goes way back into history with redlining and all these things. Um, but you know, we're focused on the future and doing things for folks now. And, um, we have a lot of support. Uh, we have a fantastic government here, mayor, the mayor, uh, mayor Henderson, and then mayor Eddie Lowe over in Phoenix city. And this is not just a Columbus strategy. This is a full Valley strategy. And we're going to go into Phoenix city elementary school as well. So we're making a commitment on both sides of the river on this. Uh, we just submitted a big application for a large grant. We're hopeful to get that. Um, it would really be a game changer if we were to get that. So um, if we if we get that, you'll hear a lot more about it. You're going to hear a lot more about it anyway. That's great. Speaking of which, who writes these grants? Is it, you know, you're an attorney. Yep. So with the background, once attorney, always an attorney, right? That's right. Yep. <laughs> was that your practice uh, when you were, or did you do contract litigation or something like that? But you know how to write. That was in corporate litigation, Perfect. managing large <laughs> projects. Imagine two multi-billion dollar companies suing each other into the yes. Stone Age. I was like a cog in that wheel. <laughs> um, and so a really interesting, fascinating work. Um, I'm glad to be doing what I do now. That's why we hired you here. <laughs> that was one of the good reasons we need that as for sure. I love this, this school thing. You know, when you think of Literacy Alliance of the Chattahoochee Valley, which, you know, and, and others like this, making children proficient readers at third grade level could actually help you know, reduce the amount of incarceration, drug use or whatever, and, and, and make them contributors in society. Oh, yeah. What you're doing, how long do you think, especially from Asheville, when you were in Asheville, North Carolina, taking this program and applying it here, and it sounds like it's it's going to be a success. I can see, I can just by you telling it, I could feel the energy. I'm loving this because I wasn't even thinking this is anything you're, you know, I wasn't even imagining this. 
Chattahoochee Valley serves, of course, you got parts of East Central Alabama. How far do you go over there? Just Russell County. Russell County. Okay, so we got Russell County across the board, and then, of course, all our other counties here. How long would something like this take? You know, I always ask that question. You know, you get mayors, you get people. How do you change? It's hard to change behaviors. It's hard to change generation to generation. But poverty, I think you hit the nail on the head there, and having that representative from United Way in those schools that are at risk or whatever, might be a higher risk or whatever, is incredible. But what do you think, what's the plan there? How long would it take? Is it, is it 10 years, 15, 20 years? You know, parts of it will, uh, none of us will see the fruits of some of it. And then some things will happen immediately. I mean, there are things that we can do in one, a one week span. We can get more kids into Head Start and Early Head Start. We can identify, you know, those kids that need to be there and we can get them into that program. And that's a life-changing event right there. All right. And then other things will take much longer um, to pull entire an entire generation out of poverty. That's long term work. And so we have to make that long term commitment to this. But there are things that we can do on a daily, weekly and monthly basis that are going to move the needle for individual students and families. And that's really what it's all about. So it's it's multifaceted and, you know, it is doing things within that that school day. You know, mm-hmm. making sure a kid has something to eat. I mean, you can't learn if you're hungry. And so if a kid comes to school hungry, you know, they do a good job in our school system of making sure they have something to eat. But we're going to add another layer of that and make sure we're talking to the parents to make sure the family has what they need. Um, we have a lot of agencies here who do rental assistance, utility assistance, things like that. We'll identify folks that need those services through this program. And so that's a big part of this is case managing holistically families. You guys are a project manager in a sense over these agencies. People don't get the United Way. It's not just somebody sitting there and you you just take money and allocate it here or there and the other. I mean, you guys are, you guys are planners. I mean, you're, you're putting all this together. Um, And I'm going to wait because the second half hour, we're going to talk about how people can participate or become, maybe there's businesses you know, listening now or small business or somebody would like to be part of United Way. And, and this is why I think this is, this is awesome. Feeding the Valley Food Bank, when you said that you're kind of hitting on something that's passionate to me too, I do many different things and have the, again, the privilege, the honor to do it using TV is the, is the mechanism to voice all these things and, and get the attention we need. But food insecurity is so, so high, especially when these, you know, COVID and kids aren't at school and we had to get buses out there and this and that and the other. Was that was that to you when you saw this? Were you like, "Oh my gosh, pulling hair out of your head"? How are we gonna How are we gonna deal with this? Because that's if you don't have nutrition, you know, you you can't learn and you're in function, you know, and eat the right foods. Right. Yep. Yeah. We have an amazing food bank. Amazing food bank president here, Frank Shepard. Yeah, he's awesome. I mean, he he is awesome, and so um, he takes care of all of that. You know, yeah. we we raise money and we give it to the food bank. And then Frank takes care of it. So, and then we help out and fill gaps with the school system. Uh, So we'll do a grant out of the coronavirus response fund, which is something I want to talk about in a minute. Yes. Partnership with the Community Foundation and United Way. And we'll do a grant to Feeding the Valley to pay for all the meals during a gap week, like spring break, or between the end of school and the beginning of summer school. We'll do a grant to Feeding the Valley, and they'll take care of the meal uh, service to the families and the students. So it, it's really amazing. How bad of a problem do we have here? And, and I remember East Alabama Food Bank, we did stuff with them. You named, you know, Feeding the Valley Food Bank, Frank Shepard and his staff are awesome, everybody there. When when we hear this, people don't realize when you're, we're out there 
WRBL is partnering with them and, and, and doing Feeding the Valley and, and doing our Kids Summer Covered campaign. What, how bad is it really? I mean, we're, I mean, is this like, okay, Columbus, Georgia, again, we, we were trying to give some comparison. How would you compare that to other cities that you're aware of, other United Way cities that have to deal with it? Are we, are we in trouble? Food insecurity is high here. Uh, it's high in Georgia and it's gone up since the pandemic. So, um, you know, as far as how it compares to other cities, um, I, I think, you know, we're, we're dealing with a pretty significant amount of food insecurity here. And, um, but we have systems to deal with it. And, you know, Frank is part of that. Um, and we're, United Way is really here to support those efforts in any way that we can. And, uh, you know, again, food insecurity for anyone, you know, listening to, again, it's not, you know, eating the right meals, not getting the right nutrition or skipping meals, maybe one meal a day and a kid may just grab a bag of potato chips and that's it. Yep. And you can't function that way. That's right. And, you know, that's something I'm really interested in and is trying to get healthy food to poor people. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, just because you live in a neighborhood that's disadvantaged, just because you come from, um, you know, a, a a family that's below the poverty line doesn't mean you should have to eat all your meals from the gas station and out of a wrapper. Um, and so, you know, Feeding the Valley is being really innovative on this front. We have other um, groups in town that are working on this, this uh, new nonprofit, You Grow, which is connected to Bear Roots yes, um, okay. and Mercy Med. And Mercy Med has a really innovative program, uh, Food as Medicine. And so I talked to Billy Holbrook over there right. a lot, Grant Scarborough, and they're, they're just doing amazing work and thinking about strategy for how to pull people, not just out of food insecurity, but out of that cycle where they're going to end up with diabetes or, you know, just eating things that are going to make them ill. And this is a multi-billion dollar, it's probably more than that issue every year with people eating poorly, getting sick, and then everybody has to bear the cost of all of that. So it's a big strategic thing that I think needs to change in the United States overall. We don't eat very well in the United States. We eat a lot of junk food. Um, It's a changing of hearts and minds on that front. It's going to take a long time. Mercy Med is the tip of the spear on this. That's good. And even Amos too. She, her, her, Uh, Oh yeah. uh, Olivia. Olivia is just, yeah. You grow. She's amazing. You, you wish and even what you said, what Dr. Scarborough's doing in, in Billy Holbrook, where you, and we've done stories with them, obviously, Mercy Med and Second Avenue, great place, insuring the uninsured, I always say, but they, they make sure everybody gets the health care that's provided. But showing them also ways to be healthy, like you said. You touched on something about a program you really wanted to talk about. Is that kind of parlaying into that, or how we can... The Coronavirus Response Fund? Yes. Yeah, yeah. so uh, Betsy Covington at the Community Foundation mm-hmm. uh, called me up right when COVID hit and said, look, we're going to stand up a fund at the Community Foundation. Would you be interested in partnering with us? And before she even finished talking, I said, absolutely. We're in, you know, and since then, it has been awesome. We've done 105 grants, totaling wow. over $1.3 million. We've raised more than that. So we've still got some some powder dry there to make some more grants uh, for as long as we're fundraising and as long as there's need. Um, but we work together on a weekly basis with her staff and, and our staff. Um, and, you know, we're just figuring it out for the community as we go. Nobody's done anything like COVID before. I mean, it has changed 
everything, the way we do business, the way philanthropy works, um, and upended people's lives in countless ways, right? Um, so we just really leaned into the fact that folks were going to have increased needs and vulnerable populations were going to become more vulnerable. And there may be folks who had never been a vulnerable in a vulnerable population before that found themselves in that situation. And so we went out, we wrote, we raised money, we put together a committee and we started handing it out. And we do that. We were doing it on a weekly basis. We've cut it down to every other week now. Um, but we're still making grants out of that coronavirus response fund. It's been fantastic. And we also did community calls, uh, 85 community calls over a year long period where we brought a lot, you know, the nonprofit community, business community to the table, Mayor Henderson was on the calls every time. Dr. Lewis at the school system was on the calls. Melody Trimble, Frank Shepard, um, just contributing to the calls and, you know, making sure that the community was informed and that they knew about the work of the Coronavirus Response Fund. That is amazing. And you think some of these federal funds that came in, boy, you had to get creative. I mean, it's smart what you did. I mean, you take you take some of that that comes in there and there's just ways of, in a, t- a time like this, have you ever seen anything in your time, besides, I mean, there's nothing like COVID. It's not what I mean. But have you ever seen anything or heard or just your experience know of any other time like this that has created such turmoil? The Civil War, uh, the Great Depression, World War II, and 9-11 are the four other events that come to mind as being as impactful across the society and the world as COVID. And we haven't, you know, you could say we had some practice, but there's a big gap in years. I mean, it's obviously 9-11 being the most recent in history. Different crises, but, but equally upending to society and changing of the global economy in the end. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's just, it's unbelievable. You know, everything that we're doing and we think about it, and, and again, this first half hour that everyone's listening right now, uh, and uh, with our president and CEO of uh, the United Way of the Chattahoochee Valley, uh, we're, we're sitting here talking to Mr. Moser, is that it's so critical. It's so critical that people know what we have to do. A community is nothing. If, you don't, if we don't work as a community, we, we don't have anything. You can't necessarily rely on government so much. I don't want to get, I'm not going to get political here at all. But with, you know, our, with any direction of anything that would create higher taxes, Anything that would create, um, how do I say this, in a, in a way where just in an environment now that we're in, if prices start to go up higher, taxes are going up, and that's just cyclical, as we know, in different presidential elections, different different political parties. How does that impact that, or does that, does that remain the same? The impact is, yeah, I mean, it can impact fundraising, certainly, um, but you know, our donors are going to give to United Way because they believe in the work we're doing. And I don't think a little marginal increase in the tax rate is going to affect the engagement that we have from the community or our donors. Um, we're here to work with government, and we're also here to be that non-governmental safety net. Okay. So, um, you know, we... As a United Way, we need to work with everybody, and we do work with everybody. I and mean, we work with governments on both sides of the river, state government, federal government. Um, we're just looking to help folks in any way that we possibly can. We do a lot of outreach to elected officials, which is something that we've really ramped up recently since COVID, um, because you know they need to, they appreciate it because they get more informed about the community, and we appreciate it because we always learn something from them. And so it's just that partnership, that public-private partnership, that partnership across sectors um, that makes United Way 
you know, kind of in a unique spot because we work with everybody. I mean, we work with hundreds of organizations, all the largest businesses and medium-sized businesses, small businesses, three-man shops across uh, the community, as well as governments, as well as our nonprofit sector. So we really sit at kind of the, the crossroads of all of those things. And so, you know, we see ourselves as a connector. We see ourselves as philanthropists, grant makers, fundraisers, um, and, you know, just a place where you can get engaged in the community. You got to you got to make sure every rock is turned over in a sense. I mean, you got to oh, yeah. make sure getting to seven million dollars is not easy. No. And small businesses, if there's someone out there, too, thinking, hey, wait a minute. Well, I just could not give enough. Every penny counts because you guys always tell us that. You, I've never turned away a dollar, Bob. Yeah. Or there you go. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, and, and that's that's what makes a community come together. And that's what I think is so critical in this. I'm passionate, super passionate about, you know, how do I have my energy? It's not from a cup of coffee, I, a little bit, but it's the way we eat. It's diet. And and because, you know, you're touching on, I, I love all these programs, just getting into the, the schools and, and making sure poverty is, you know, of course, that's a big issue. Nutrition is, because this all goes up, you know, you have a healthy young student body, you're going to have heavy-duty contributors, positive motivators, somebody coming in our community down the line in the future. Like you said, it may not be in our lifetime to see that big, big change to, to be noticeable, but it's got to start somewhere. And I think you're, you're really on to something. And I, I, love, I love this whole thing. I mean, there's, this is not the end of this. I'm sure you know, we're going to get some new stories out of this deal. <laughs> but um, my thing is, as we get the vaccines all up and everything else, and you're touching on the food, you're touching a little bit about MEA and their gardens and, and the healthy eating over at Bare Roots, et cetera. Industrialized farming, and then we talk about organic eating. You know, I think of Jenny Jack Farm, too, up, up of White Cemetery Road in Harris County. Um, I get a lot of food there. Again, it's not affordable for many. Right. It, it, it takes a little dent out of my, and it's like, how can that be when we're trying to put good nutrition in our bodies? Is that what kind of roadblock does that present in this? It, it's a it is a roadblock. It's not as affordable to eat healthy, and you know I think that that's something that needs to be examined. Um, and you know it's not that you have to eat kale at three times a day. You <laughs> right. know, you, but it would be nice if everybody had the option, and that that the option isn't available. We have food deserts here in this area where there aren't any, even, even any grocery stores. And so folks are eating, you know, off the little hot dog wheel at the gas station a few times a day. And, you know, that that's just not going to produce the kind of healthy mind and body that is going to allow you to be successful in the long run. Um, you know, I like a cheeseburger as much as the next guy, right? Sure. Um, but I also have the option to have a healthier choice if I want to. And I think everybody deserves the option um, to eat healthy. I'm with you on that. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, um, I, every day people say, I do, I, every day I wake up with prayer to say, God, give me the strength or whatever I got to do. But you got this temple here and, you know, kids have no choice. And, and if you don't get educated on how to put the right nutrition inside this body of ours, it's amazing what it can do and how you can perform. And that's where I get a lot of this energy is how I feed off all this, no pun intended, especially with all the great stuff that you guys do or how we can, you know, volunteer or help somebody at 211 um, or one of the many different people that help United Way to uh, take in calls that people are in a desperate need or maybe their kids haven't eaten yet. Uh, these, these, these food desert areas, as you said, that 
don't provide a, a nearby store, which many of us don't understand that. I mean, they don't have transportation maybe, or there's, there's issues of how they only have transportation with a bike or they just can't afford their car is off the road because they lost their job. They don't pay insurance. I don't have gas money. So, Hey, I guess the local, nothing against gas stations, nothing wrong with them. Cause like no. you said, I, you know, occasionally I like to engage in one of those beef dogs there, like a brat or something like that, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's, it, it's sad to think that. I mean, that really is sobering when you when you say that. You just don't think of that. And you know, that being said, what can we do? And we're in in the second half hour. I really want to focus in on you guys listening on this podcast now. And and what can we do to get people? Because you, can, you United Way can't do it all themselves. No, no. I mean, we, we have to work with everyone, and it's an education process. Really, um, we have to educate you know, the population on things that are going to help them with their lives. And I think that's a part of what United Way can do. It's a part of what government should be doing. It's a part of what lots of our partners do and should be doing, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. At the end of the day, it's about improving people's lives and giving people opportunity to succeed. You know, that's all you can ask for is an opportunity um, and then what you do with it is up to you. But a lot of these kids don't have that opportunity. They're not getting what they need for their brain development from zero to three. That's why we've launched a program called The Basics, which we can talk about in the second sure. part of the half hour. Um, but um, an opportunity to, su- to succeed is what everyone deserves in life. So the basics would seem obvious, and then you're going to tell me about it, but if somebody listening right now, what somebody's, what can I do to to change this? I don't want to see another news story of another child shooting another child, or somebody doesn't have a, you know, it, it has a lot to do with family. You know, like you know the you know father figure, not in a in a male a young male's life especially, starts this, and and a lot of it comes from poverty, comes from not being you know literate at a, at, at the age of you know, you know third grade level, third grade reading scores, yeah, yeah. Right. And so what, you know, where could we start? And is the basics part of that? It's prenatal and, you know, getting good nutrition uh, while you're pregnant is very important. And then once the child is born, focus in on maximizing love and minimizing stress. That's the number one thing. You want to show love and minimize the stress of your newborn. Um, You want to read to them. You want to count with them. You want to group things and play with them. And that's what the basics basics is all about. So teaching expectant mothers and mothers and parents, uh, fathers, how to do those basic things with their kids, because, you know, they may have come from a disadvantaged background too, and they didn't get these things. And so you have to start somewhere. And, you know, the basics is all about that. And that's an amazing partnership with Columbus 2025, our regional prosperity initiative. They they hatched the basics, and then it came to live at United Way due to a grant from the Community Foundation again. So these partners just getting together to try and help the community. Uh, United Way is really focused on getting kids a good start in life. And so that's community schools. That's the basics. That's resilient Chattahoochee Valley, which is another strategy that we've launched to try and minimize ACEs in our community, which is adverse childhood experiences. Um, so all of these things really go together at the end of the day. They're kind of separate strategies right now, but they're converging as we move forward because this is kind of, you know, a pretty small place. And so we are finding that we're engaging the same partners in all of these efforts. And so, 
you know, bringing them together and structure probably makes sense at the end of the day. How many volunteers do you have in these to help the basics, to, to get somebody with a pregnant mom? And, and, you know, you hear the stories talking to the baby in the womb, but that, that really works. But oh, yeah. So what, what do we, how, how does one get vetted or to be part of that to say, hey, look, you know, I, I would, you know what, somebody out there, I, you know, I'm great. I'm, I'm a loving mom. I've had a great family life. Let me share my life stories with somebody. Yeah. Uh, health systems, daycares, any any business or entity that is coming in contact with kids of that age, with mothers, with parents, um, we're reaching out to them. And we want to, you know, share our basics materials. And the basics is a national program. I think there are 30 basics communities in the United States at this point. It lives up in Boston, um, but ours is the basic Chattahoochee Valley. Um, and so it's our own, our own thing here and we can make of it what we want to, but we're engaging really all local partners that have that position in folks' lives. Well, you know, and just to take a moment here, you said you ta- you were talking a lot today. How do you feel right now? I feel great, Bob. I know, that's good. Yeah. See, you're perfect for this. <laughs> you said now you're warmed up. Do you feel like you're warmed up right no, now? I'm, uh, I'm warm, yeah. Okay, good. So now that we're warmed up here a little bit too, there, the United Way overall, if somebody right now, and I want to kind of hit this a, a few more times too, to become kind of a special advocate in the community. You know, I, I always think of like CASA, court appointed special advocates. Yep. It's another program, you know, helping these kids that just get homeless or going from one boom in the court, out of the court, in the yep. court, out of the court. I, I don't, you know, and we fund that program and you yeah. fund that. Right. Yep. When you said that, you know, that was remarkable because I've, I've done some fundraisers with them too. And it's small level up, you know, and at the loft, let's say the last one before COVID, here we go again, everything's virtual. But um, the silent auction work, we did runs. I did a 5K since the beginning with Carla uh, and, and most of the others and the judges that were there. And, and you, know, uh, you know, Robert's a good runner over there, attorney and, and all those guys. So what, like even, a, you know, a place like that, that's something that these kids too, they, they need stability. So how, you know, again, there, there's so many things here from nutrition, from literacy to, to um, you know, homelessness poverty, all that coming together to try to mold it in one. You need all these different programs that you're talking about that need funding too. I mean, there's just so much to it and you can allocate anybody who gives to United Way. You can point and say, you know, I want in this program, that program that individually a person can do that, but you can also recommend what you feel is the best place to put it to someone where, you know, where does that start and end? I mean, with people, what, what, what do you, you know, what's the best approach if anyone listening, what do they need to do? Would, would you rather be the one to say, hey, look, I would put it here because we just got a grant over here. What, what would you say? So most people give through their workplace, all right? And so, you know, and they do a payroll deduction through their workplace. And then we have this very robust community investment process that we engage in every spring, all right? And so, you know, we raise a, over $7 million a year from hundreds of organizations, all the major employers in town, all the medium-sized employers in town, most of the small businesses. You know, everybody's given to United Way with 15,000 annual donors. And then we go through a process with 70, 80 volunteers and a committee, and we allocate those resources every spring to the 47 programs, to the 27 agencies. And it's a, it's a robust vetting process. We do site visits. We look at a lot of data. We look at financials. I mean, we leave a, no, there's a big, a big survey that's done. We leave no stone unturned there. So we know 
at the end of that process that that money is going where it should go. And it's serving a broad base of needs across the community. You guys do it well. I mean, the, I mean, you see the fruits of all the, you know, of, of all the money that, you know, being poured in there and people can learn more about it. They could see this for themselves, you know, it could be tangible. So, you know, many of us don't have the time or the effort to do whatever they can. I, I have the luxury to do it because again, what I do for a living, but at the same time, I'm passionate about it. And I, that's what keeps positivity growing in the community and keeps everyone moving. If there's someone out there, you know, that says, Hey, look, you know, I want to give so much of my time. Is it, is it more of what your staff capable of what they're all doing? Of course, would you rather have more volunteers or would you rather have more money? Yeah, we want it all. Okay. So we have a volunteer center at United Way. Rachel Chambliss in our office. Anybody in the community can get in touch with Rachel at any time, and she can hook you up with a volunteer opportunity too. So, I mean, there there are a, a diverse set of opportunities through United Way. We certainly want donations. I mean, that is a major part of what we do because we think we're really good at putting that money where it should go. Right. right. And so it's like it's almost like a community mutual fund. If you don't have one specific, you know, like issue that you're super passionate about, but you want to help the community, give to United Way. We'll allocate it like a mutual fund does with your stocks. So you don't have to sit there and pick stocks. You know, you get your money spread out, diversified. You just put it in and forget about it and we do the rest. There's a story and I and I was sharing a little bit, but I don't want to give personal details too much on this because it's out of privacy, but I just wanted to say there was a, a gentleman once before that that it was years ago that I uh, had tried to help out and and, and he uh, was an alcoholic and and, and he um, this it was real hard for him to break. And so he had a some debt he had to pay in another state. And had he done that and and we could have seen something good for him here. And a lot of times they got to make the decision themselves. There's almost so much you can do for someone sometimes. But if this individual did do that and came back United Way, and I remember talking to, you know, I was, I, you know, one of the uh, volunteers, I won't say her name either, but it was at 211, was giving him an opportunity to get him a job, to get, you would set somebody up that's willing to take the initiative. If you can gird up and say, you know what, I'm going to change my life a little bit, United Way can help. Oh, yeah. Everybody deserves a second chance. Uh, we don't give up on anybody. Um, and so United Way is there for folks that, you know, have made mistakes. United Way is there for folks that, you know, maybe a little down on their luck or just having poor circumstances that they started out with have led them, you know, to not have the opportunities that other people have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we the agencies that we serve and our, you know, United Way will serve anyone and everyone that we possibly can. That And, and it's it's amazing. If nobody, if you know any, anybody out there, anybody watching or listening, call your local United Way office. And um, is it 211 nationally? Yeah, yeah, okay. 211. 211 yeah, nationally. You dial okay. 211 and you'll get, you know, somebody on the phone uh, that can direct you to services in our area. Awesome. I yep. mean, it's it's like a one-stop shop? It is. It, it is. It, Absolutely. Huge database. Uh, and Candace Muncy at 211 just does a fantastic job, and she's constantly updating the database um, and making connections within the community as well and making sure that folks know about things that are going on at other agencies. So it's not just about United Way and, and calling 211. It's about connecting folks at other agencies to help serve the population better. And that's a big thing that we did through coronavirus 
response fund and the calls and all that. Two on one was integral to that. And we were constantly making sure that, you know, some smaller agencies that maybe we didn't even know about um, that came to us for some funding, you know, $1,000 grant, $2,000 grant to serve some people, to do some utility assistance, to do some meals for folks, made sure they got into two on one so that in the future, folks in their neighborhood could find them. You know, Candace, you said Candace, she's a sweetheart. I just love it. All your, I mean, I don't know, is there, is there a, like a test you got to go through? Everybody's got to be a sweetheart to go work at United Way. <laughs> I think we're just yeah, lucky heart. on that front. Yeah, yeah. no, no yeah. test. Yeah. <laughs> big hearts. I can say big hearts. That's for sure. Because it, you know, there's a lot you got to, you, you got to listen to a lot of people, especially in the, and I'm referring mainly to the two-on-one center. I mean, they, they take calls of, I can't, I can't even imagine some of the calls they, they get in, in a day, you know, from yes. good, bad, and different, and everything else, but they have patience. They're awesome. And like you said, it's, it's a great center that can designate you to the, the proper channels. And, and it's another thing that United Way does. We have so. a lot of social workers on staff, so yeah. they are professional experts at working with the public in that manner. Um, and that makes a huge difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can see it. Yeah. That's, and that's something that everybody or anyone knows. And I'm hoping anybody listening, maybe somebody who may need the services of United Way, or if there's somebody out there, you know, of someone and, and it is, it's hard because a lot of people are proud. Sometimes they don't want to, you know, ask for a handout or, or, or help. I mean, it's not so much a handout. I don't even hand up. hand up. Thank you. That's what I was trying to search for that word. It's a hand up. And, and, and so never feel bad doing it. I mean, that's why you guys are here. I mean, this, this money's here. I mean, come on, you guys are, you guys are ready and willing to, uh, to, to get you to that next level and helping, helping everybody out, which I, which I just totally enjoy. Well, you, you know, you, you talked, you hit on it a little bit earlier. There's a business case for all of this too. I mean, we are actually saving money in the long run because if you help a kid hit his third grade reading scores and become successful and graduate from high school, that person has a six times less likelihood of ending up being incarcerated at some point mm -hmm. during their life. They're going to earn between two hundred and four hundred thousand dollars more. That means more tax revenue, right? That's right. And so, and, you know, the spread on one life can be a few million dollars. I mean, you, you have somebody who who doesn't get what they need early on, doesn't go into a, a good environment um, at their school, or doesn't get what they need there. Um, you know, moves through life, becomes incarcerated, doesn't graduate from high school, drops out of school, becomes incarcerated. Whereas otherwise, if they had been cared for correctly at an early age, you know, they become successful. They graduate from high school. They are able to give back paying taxes and be, a, you know, an upstanding, productive citizen. That's a couple million bucks right there. And, true. It, I and it didn't it. cost a couple million dollars. Right to create that change. I mean, it, it costs way, way less than that, yeah. you know? And so how do you put a price tag on that? We're mortgaging our future by not doing these things. That's a great perspective. That, that is a, that's, I have to remember that because that's, I think that's the picture to paint here. When people say the investment is so small on this end to dump that money in at an early stage, to get these things going, to, to provide a future that's, you know, that will reduce all those, those long-term costs. Let me and, give you some data. Yeah, Every dollar that's invested in issues of childhood poverty will return low end $7 back to society, high end 15 bucks. So for every dollar you're getting, would you invest in a stock that you knew you were going to get seven to 15 times? Oh, you know it. The return on? That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Everyone would. And so that's what we're doing right here. Federal budget is around $4 trillion a year, something in that neighborhood. Um, one 
trillion dollars a year gets spent in this country on issues of childhood poverty every year. That's unbelievable. That's hard to even, I can't comprehend that. It's funny how this whole podcast thing went today. I, I wasn't, I was almost thinking, and this is what's so great about it, because this is live and interactive at the time we're, we're uh, obviously doing this, not rehearsed, and and to hear more about the kids and seeing where it's all starting from, that's really the crux of all this. When you think about societies, communities, and everything, you know, everything here that Ben's talking about, this is exactly, this is where it's got to start to be a proven successful community. And is, would that be fair to yeah. say that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and we can all do our part. I mean, there's so many different things. I think it's just as easy without, you know, anybody, anybody wants to volunteer, but there's something in particular you want to do to help children out. We did March for Meals one time. We brought kids over to show them how people need assistance. And they may not have a family member. Even, even our elderly is food insecure. Some of them, right. many of them, and they may be on fixed incomes or whatever it may be, not by no fault of their own, nothing. They just, they, their husband died. They don't get their, his, their check anymore as far as, you know, their social security, nor where they get their, you know, their pension. And now they're limited on just theirs. And, and, and they, and we've seen it. And these children that we brought in our party partners before COVID would help deliver these meals to try to show them at a young age. So it makes me feel good. I guess what I'm getting, getting from this too, that I want to make sure that I'm doing things right here. Cause when we're thinking of plans and ideas, and I'm always thinking of that, you know, for one of the many different volunteers. And we got great partnership uh, with Stowers on post and with our partners in education, Connecticut, I'll give them a shout out, 129 Dentech, all come together to try to, you know, help these kids out and, um, or to give them some empowerment yeah. to show them how they need to give back. And I think that's part of it too. And so I'm not saying all these kids, some of our kids we have were a little bit at risk. You know, dads are coming in at E3, they have big families, they're deployed, it's just mom, and she's trying to handle all this, and kids, you know, being kids, it's, it's hard to do sometimes. It is. So when you engage them in community, and you engage them in a way to show how they give back, and to show them, and I was trying to show my kids too, that, you know, you think you got a bad, there's always someone that has a little bit, you know, worse than you have. That's true. That is true. And, Absolutely. And, and, and just, you know, hearing these, these different programs and ways that we can kind of get involved and, and help people out could be ways that we can drive a more successful community, but reaching them early is key. And, and, and again, you, you can't, you've been beating that drum today with all the great programs, reiterate all the pro those three, the, at least the two basics and go back to the, in the classroom. And what was there a third one too? The community schools, community United, schools and United. Then resilient Chattahoochee Valley, which is working to reduce adverse childhood experiences and reduce the impact of those adverse childhood experiences once they've happened. Good. And I think those are, those are a critical, I would love to get on board with that. I think anybody listening, you know, if you're in Las Vegas, Nevada, or if you're in, you know, Omaha, Nebraska, or wherever you are, or, you know, Atlanta, you know, Columbus, Georgia, Phoenix city, Auburn, think about this. This is a, this is critical. I think it's so important. And I, and I believe it. I mean, cause so many times we try to say, how do we change this? How do we change this? What do we do? And this is, this is just, this is a great way to start. It is, yeah. Starting early is really the key. Um, and, you know, we're going to help folks along the continuum of life wherever they are, you know, from, from cradle to career, from cradle to grave. We're, mm -hmm. we're going to help folks, um, whatever circumstances they find themselves in, but strategically starting as early as possible makes the most sense. It does, absolutely. And I, and I can't, um, you know, I, I couldn't say that enough can't say that enough. The United Way, and, and thinking about this one, and I want to focus on this for, we've got a couple more minutes here, but 
if 2021 comes in, where are we? When are we really going to see some normalcy with businesses from from your perspective? Like pre-COVID, and, and you, you're honest about it. I mean, really, you're not seeing much of a difference in contribution. But does that change the business model, what you guys do? I mean, I'm a, like, are you going to still come to workplaces and is Tisa still going to have their field days? Are they, or, or do we really need to do that? Or do we, we're going to see more of that coming? As, What's going to happen? As soon as it's safe, we're back. Okay. Right? Um, but, you know, we're going to be respectful of the different, you know, points of view on this and the different comfort levels. And um, so I think we're in a hybrid for the rest of this year. Okay. Uh, I don't think we're going back to the thousand person kickoff this year. Certainly not. So that's how many people were in my lunchroom. That that's day. how many people were in there. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was a lot, but I didn't know it was a thousand. Yeah, thousand folks at yeah. that. Um, hopefully by 2022, we're packing it out again. Um, but it's going to be different this year. You know, last year, everything was off. Everything was Zoom. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty Zoomed out. Oh. I'm ready to have some field days. I'm ready to engage face to face. Um, you know, I'm doing lunches, but we're being safe. We're having an outdoors and, you know, small group things, but we're spread. We're outdoors, you know, as much as possible. I think, you know, going back to those big events, it's probably going to be 2022 before we get back there. Honestly, I hope to do some things this fall. The vaccines getting out there, our mass vaccination site, amazing. Yeah, it is. You Isn't know? that incredible? I, I yes. mean, I went over and got my shot uh, two days ago, and you know, it was it was great. I drove right up, 15 minutes. Shot in the arm, wait 15 minutes, make sure nothing happens, yep. out of there. Good. So, um, you know, I think the more folks that get the vaccine, the sooner we get back to normal, the sooner you can take off the mask, the sooner you can play with your grandkids. And so those that have vaccine hesitancy out there, think about that a little bit. That, you know, you can, you can get a shot or two, and you're helping everybody get back to normal, including yourself. That's an interesting perspective. That's for sure. Definitely. And uh, me having, I had COVID, you know, say it to folks and and it's no picnic. You know, when I had it, I was like, whatever I need at that time, when you're in that state, when you have it, you don't want it. It's all, it just, and I'm an energetic guy and it zapped every last bit of energy out of me. And I I just thought, oh my gosh, you know, I I just can't imagine an elderly person or somebody who's ill or has a lowered immune system or something like that getting this. I could see how it could certainly take you out. Cause it's, uh, it's, it's potent. Definitely. Yeah, that's right. I mean, my dad had it, my sister had it. Uh, and I was really worried. My sister had to go into the hospital with it. Wow. Um, so, you know, it, 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 it really is, it's a dangerous pathogen. Um, and it affects people differently. And so it's being, getting the vaccine is really being respectful of your neighbors as well. Okay. That's it. That's really good to hear that. And as we, uh, of course, people know too, we're at a far distance away. Yep. So, you know, for social distancing. So a lot of times people may ask that question, well, how come you guys don't have your mask on now? Well, that's why, you know, and, and I'm not saying, I, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but supposedly I still have some antibodies left in me. So they'll, they'll be fading away soon. So I'll have to do something about that. So, you know, shot or whatever it may be, but, uh, but that's, that's critical. That's for sure. Um, with just a couple minutes left, um, first of all, I hear, that you have a podcast is that is that a way that we can listen to more of uh, Mr. Moser here, the CEO? Yeah, chat with us okay. is our podcast, and then we've had uh, eight or nine of them now. I think uh, our marketing team does a great job, and so yeah, that's something new for us. Yeah, uh, so same here. And in fact, we I would say we're pretty close to where you are. Um, I, I didn't have as many in the can, but we have we have other two people on staff to do some great ones. Faces of Faith and the Chuck Williams Show, so you can check those out right here in our pod zone. But um, are you going to have me as a guest? 
I'd love to, Bob. I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How'd you like that? That was a David Mitchell board member. Uh, <laughs> Maybe we can get David and you on a, on the same podcast. Could, be, could you see that, that would be entertaining? That yeah. would be very entertaining. Yeah. And, and David is is uh, an amazing man. He's he's incredible. Just he is. He is one of our most engaged board members. Yes. Uh, lots of great ideas. Incredibly intelligent guy. Very thoughtful. Always thinking of United Way. I mean, I get a lot of phone calls from David with you know his latest idea, and they're all good ones, right? Right. And so um, you know he. He's the type of volunteer that you really want on your board of directors um, because he thinks about the the broader community. He thinks about what's good for United Way, um, and he's just an advocate for folks in the community that need that hand up. Improving access to basic needs. Gosh, thank you so much, Ben Moser, CEO of the United Way of the Chattahoochee Valley. I got to tell you something. You've been great. This has been super engaging, and I'm pumped up. I mean, at least I know it's, it's I never would think it's futile whenever you're doing something for your community. But take it off of thyself. Can you just do that, anybody listening? Just for one day, it's 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 it feels great to give back, and the rewards are just awesome. Here's just we only touched on one, but think about it. It starts from cradle, and it goes all the way to grave, and the United Way is there for you. Check it out. 211 to see if you can volunteer. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, Bob. This has been awesome. Appreciate oh, you. It's been great here, too. Well, we hope to see you next uh, Wednesday again. Usually we'll, we'll be able to come on board and enjoy what we do, and we enjoy it, too. It's uh, Wednesdays at 7 o'clock, the Bob Jeswald Show. If there's severe weather in this region of the uh, United States, <laughs> you will catch me the following Wednesday. That's how we do it. So uh, you can uh, certainly tweet me at Bob Jeswald, WRBL, Facebook at Bob Jeswald, WRBL, and, of course, Instagram on there. And uh, those are three ways to get those access. You can also check us out, too, on Spotify. We're going to be seeing us there as well. And uh, you can catch us uh, also on different different other uh, ways and alternatives to get us here. So check us out. And in the pod zone, you can see all our other podcasts and different ways to engage with us. Thanks for joining us this week. Positivity, energy, be part of the community, will you? See you later. <laughs>